Well, good morning, everyone. Would you pray with me as we turn our attention to God's Word now? Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for your Word. We thank you, Lord, because through it you speak to us, and we ask that you would speak to us now through your Word by the power of your Holy Spirit to strengthen our faith even today. We ask that we would fix our eyes on you as we live. We ask it and we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, I want to begin today uh, just with a sort of an informal survey. Raise your hand if you know who Igal of Issachar is. Igal of Issachar. Okay. Um, Raise your hand if you know who Caleb of Judah is. Is Yes, good. Most of you remember Caleb for his faith in God after going in and spying out the land. But few, if any, no one here at least, remember Igal because he was one of the doubting and fearful spies who lacked faith in God. While Caleb believed God's promise and power to bring them into the promised land, we admire Caleb, not Igal. Only men and women of courageous faith are admired. But more importantly than that, it's only those with faith that enter God's rest. The author of Hebrews uses Israel's unbelief and subsequent failure to enter into the promised land to warn and encourage Christians so that they will persevere in the faith and enter God's rest. We only enter God's rest through faith in Jesus Christ. We will come back to that at the end. As you might have guessed, faith is at the the heart of our text today. So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're going to see that Israel's future security and success depends on her faith, a faith that must lead to obedience even if it involves uh, risk and demands courage. In our text, we're going to see the conflict between faith and sight. Are we going to assess our situation based on our own human wisdom and strength or Will we look to God in faith? So the message for us this morning is this. Trust the Lord and walk by faith, not by sight. Trust the Lord and walk by faith, not by sight. Moses is going to give three reasons to trust God and walk by faith. But before we jump into those, I want to set the context to remind us where we are. Moses is, is speaking to the people of Israel in Moab uh, on the edge of the promised land. Of course, this is... Not the first time that they've been here as a people. This is the second time they've been on the edge of the land. Forty years ago, their parents and grandparents were at Kadesh Barnea on the southern border. And now Moses is talking uh, with the next generation. And he's talking about what their parents did when they were kids. Or for the kids in the audience at the time, what their grandparents did. And what went wrong? What happened? 
Well, their lack of faith led to disobedience and it led them, it kept them from entering into the promised land. Moses relates this sad part of Israel's history so that God's people won't make the same mistake. The point of Moses' first sermon in the book of Deuteronomy is to encourage their faith and obedience as they enter the land. It also shows us the danger of unbelief. So this first sermon is, is both a, a warning and an encouragement to them. To give us a view from, from, from 30,000 feet up of this first sermon. Moses' first sermon stretches from, from Deuteronomy chapter 1 through chapter 4, and it can be broken into three parts. In part 1, you can see faith, faithless disobedience led to disaster. That's the only part we're going to look at today. Then in part 2, faithful obedience led to victory. And in part 3, he exhorts them to obey God. I just want to give you the overview of where we're at we're just going to look at this first part. And Moses is selective in the, in the history that he recounts. With all of the history uh, of Israel, there, there's a whole bunch of things he could have talked about. But he selects what will strengthen their faith as they enter into the promised land so they will trust and obey God wholeheartedly. At verse 6, the beginning of this first sermon, Moses tells them, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Deuteronomy has been called a book on the, the, the boundary. The, the, the people of God are on the border of the promised land. They're about to go in and take possession of the promised land. And they're given powerful reminders of God's faithfulness, which give equally powerful encouragement to walk by faith in the challenges that are ahead. There are times when God says, long enough, it is time to move on to the next phase of the journey. The book of Deuteronomy speaks to every Christian in transition, encouraging them to trust and obey God as they head into the future that he has for them. So I'm hoping that this message today will be an encouragement to you graduates as you step out into the next chapter that God has for you to walk by faith and not by sight. In verse 7, God describes the, the boundaries of the promised land. You can see it here pictured in green, even though Israel never possessed it fully, even during the reigns of David and Solomon. And then in verse 8, God says this, See, I have set before you, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. The land was promised to Abraham and his offspring. That's them. The land is promised to them. That's the basis for the land, the Lord's covenant promise. And this leads us to, to point one. Trust the Lord because he fulfills his promises. We're going to see this in verses 9 through 18. Moses recounts how before they left Horeb, which is another uh, name for Sinai, he appointed leaders for the people. And at first, this might seem like a tangent. Of all of Israel's history, why does he remind them of this? Or we could ask this another, another way. If this sermon is intended to strengthen their faith, then how does this part of their history encourage their faith? The leaders need to be appointed because God has fulfilled his promise. Look at verses 9 and 10. 
At that time, I said to you, I'm not able to bear you by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. You remember when Abraham was childless, and God brought him outside at night, and he told him to look up at the stars, and he promised Abraham that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars. And Abraham believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, 4 through 6. The point for Moses' audience at this time is that God has fulfilled this part of his promise. And that gives them reason to believe that God is going to fulfill the rest of his promises, including the promise of land. The fact that, that God fulfills his promises should encourage their faith. But how much more true is that for us? At this point in salvation history, we have seen far more of God's promises fulfilled than they had and fulfilled in a greater way in Christ. All the promises of God find their yes in him. This means that we have even more reason to trust the Lord. Of course, the ultimate fulfillment of this promise of numerous offspring to Abraham is fulfilled and comes through Jesus Christ as the gospel goes out to the nations and people from every tribe and tongue become part of the covenant people, God's covenant people. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to promise, Genesis, or Galatians 3.29. I want you to notice here that Moses is not complaining. He prays in verse 11, May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he promised you. He rejoices in the fulfillment of God's promise and he prays for more. He wants more Yes, there's a burden that comes with leadership. Even the great leader Moses cannot and need not bear it all by himself, verse 12. So Moses has them choose wise and understanding and experienced men to appoint as leaders, verse 13. They agreed, and then Moses appoints commanders of military divisions, commanders of, of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, as well as officers, verse 15, and judges, verse 16. See, God is preparing them for the conquest of the promised land and, and for life in the land under God's rule. They were to be God's people in God's place under God's rule, as Goldsworthy has said. They needed godly leaders to administer God's law, and this is another step in his promise to them. And Moses charged these judges with four instructions or principles, and I want to run through these just quickly. Number one, judge righteously, verse 16. Righteous judgment demands decisions based on God's standard of right and wrong. God's standard of truth in the Bible is the only foundation for a just society. That is why Moses points them to God's commands in verse 18. All God's commands. Number two, judge impartially, verse 17. Not favoring the Israelite over the sojourner. Hearing the cases of both the small and the great alike. Showing no favoritism to anyone. Justice should be blind. Third, judge courageously. He says, you shall not be intimidated by anyone. Do not let the fear of man sway your ruling. Why? 
because judgment belongs to God. The idea that judgment belongs to God is so important because it means that the law is not based on human wisdom or authority, but on God's. God's law, the law is transcendent. It is over all people, including the people who are in power. The judges are God's servants under his authority, and they'll give account for how they administered justice. For number four, judge humbly, recognizing their limitations. If the case is too hard, they're to give it to Moses. They're not expected to have all the answers. Well, we can think about how this applies to our Supreme Court justices. Just this week, a draft of their decision to strike down Roe was leaked to the press, to the public. Now, if, if this decision goes through, this would be a monumental victory in, in the cause for life. The cause for life for the unborn, who are the smallest and most vulnerable of our neighbors. This would be a righteous decision in line with God's truth. This would correct one of the most heinous and destructive decisions that the high court has ever handed down, leading to the greatest ungodliness in our history. Of course, the whole point of leaking this to the press is to try to create public outrage and backlash to intimidate the justices to change the ruling, to change the decision. But they should not be intimidated by anyone. And we need to pray that they would judge courageously. So where does such righteous, impartial, courageous jurisprudence come from? It comes from knowing that judgment belongs to God. All earthly authority is derived from him and accountable to him. Okay, why does having wise, discerning, godly, experienced leaders matter at this point in Israel's history? Well, without the right leaders in place, the people will be led to disbelieve and disobey the Lord whereas God-fearing leaders will lead people to believe and obey the Lord. We're going to see this in just a moment. All 12 of the spies who were sent into the promised land were leaders. They were chiefs among their tribes, Numbers 13.2. Yet 10 of them lacked courage because they lacked faith, and they led the people into unbelief with disastrous effect. How many churches and colleges that were once faithful have compromised the truth and have become unfaithful because of bad leadership? And how many families, for that matter? God wants wise, discerning, experienced, God-fearing men in leadership because it strengthens and encourages the faith of those that they lead. So Moses reminds them of this part of their history for two reasons. The leaders are needed because God has fulfilled his promise to Abraham, and the leaders are needed in order to complete the conquest of the land and live faithfully in the land, both of which are examples of God's work to fulfill his promise, and that gives them reason to trust the Lord. Second, trust the Lord because he has proven himself faithful. We see this in verses 19 through 33. Moses reminds them of how God has proven himself faithful again and again and again in their history, so they should trust the Lord. Verses 19 and 20, Moses recounts how they left Horeb and traveled through the great and terrifying wilderness, and they came to Kadesh Barnea on the southern border of the promised land. In verse 21, he recounts God's promise and command, see the Lord your God 
has set the land before you. Go up and take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And then they ask to send spies to explore the land and bring word so they know the way which we must go up and the cities into which we shall come, verse 22. Now in Numbers, it's the Lord who commands Moses to send spies into the land. So it it's, seems most likely that their request is what prompted Moses to seek the will of the Lord as he often did to find out what God wants and then they carried out God's command. The spies went in, they brought out some of the fruit of the land and they said, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Verse 25. So far, so good. Verse 26, yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. They wouldn't go up, and it all came down to their lack of faith. Their unbelief completely twisted their view of God. Look at verse 27. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he's brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Hey, the reason that God did this great work with all these signs and wonders in Egypt, the reason he did that is because he hates us. And he, his whole plan this whole time is to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites and destroy us. They turn God's greatest blessing on its head. They flip it on its head. God brought them out of the land because he loved them. Because of his grace toward them. It was an act of love and grace that moved God to rescue them from Egypt and to be their God and to make them his covenant people. Sadly, it is not uncommon even for God's people to accuse God when things in their life go wrong or seem impossible or when lengthy hardship leads to frustration and exhaustion. It's at those times more than ever that we need to remember that God has not changed. He remains good and gracious and wise and loving and trustworthy. Always. Always. Amen? They let their situation drive them to fear rather than to drive them to faith in God. In verse 28, the people say, where are we going up? The implied answer is, nowhere. Like, we're not going anywhere. Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we've seen the sons of the Anakim there. The Anakim were were giants, which the Bible says made the spies seem like grasshoppers. Numbers 13, 33. Now we're going to see in the next chapter, in chapter 3, Og, king of Bashan's bed, was 13 and a half feet long. Whoa. This is about 11 feet. Can you imagine? You go into the land, and you look around at the people, and you see some dudes that are this big? That's scary. No wonder they said they made us feel like grasshoppers. Now you might think that's pretty far-fetched. 
But I took this picture some years ago at Ripley's, standing next to a replica of Robert Waldo, who was 8 feet 11 inches, almost 9 feet tall. There's a picture of him next to his dad. I just learned this morning that when he was 8 years old, he was taller than his dad. You just add like a couple of feet, a foot or two to him, and you have the giants in the land. Now, they could see the size of the people, and they could see the, the, the size of the, the fortified cities, but they could not see a strategy for success. They believed that these facts made the enemy undefeatable, Numbers thirteen thirty one. They only assessed their situation based on human strength and wisdom. Of course, they all had the same facts. They all had the same facts. The size and strength of the people in their cities were, were no less for Caleb and Joshua. They had all seen God's work in bringing them out of Egypt and, and through the wilderness. The facts were the same, but the people were looking at their circumstances rather than looking to their God in faith. Faith does not ignore difficulties or pretend that they are less than they are. Faith sees them clearly, yet faith looks to the Lord with confidence in Him, in His power, His promises, His strength, His help. And it acts based on that faith. So when Moses corrects and encourages them not to fear, he totally focuses on the Lord. He encourages them in two ways. First, Moses encourages their faith by saying in verse 30, the Lord your God who goes up before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. They saw God's signs and wonders. They saw him defeat Pharaoh's army at the Red Sea while they walked through on dry ground. God had already fought for them and destroyed more powerful enemies in Egypt. So look at God's faithfulness and trust him is the point. The report of the spies made their hearts melt, but it could have been the other way around. If they had trusted and obeyed the Lord, then God would have made the hearts of their enemies melt. How have you seen God go before you? Remembering God's faithfulness encourages your faith. We too have enemies that are too great for us, namely sin, death, and Satan. And Jesus Christ is our champion who fights for us and defeats enemies that we cannot defeat. He is the one who leads us through the wilderness into God's heavenly rest. Trust Christ by faith to deliver you from sin and death. To deliver you from sin, not just in your salvation, but in your sanctification. Second, Moses encourages their faith by saying, In the wilderness, you've seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. Like a father carries his son with tender strength, all the way through danger to safety, God carried them. Like a father who would do anything to protect and provide for his children, God carried them. How much more 
did this second generation, the one that Moses is talking to now, how much more did they see that and experience that after having gone through the wilderness now for 40 years? Seeing God's steadfast love. Again, remembering who God is and what he has done encourages our faith. Trust the Lord who is a father to you. How have you seen God care for you as a tender father? It's through faith in Jesus Christ that we are adopted into God's family and we become children of God. See what kind of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Jesus invites us to come to God and call him, address him, our Father in prayer. This, this God who defeats our enemy, the evil one, who leads us through the wilderness of this world, who provides our daily bread every step of the way until we reach the promised land of heaven. God carries you like a father carries his son. Verse 32, Yet, in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God. Begs the question, whose word are you going to listen to? God's word or man's? Disbelief always brings disobedience. They refuse to step forward in faith, even though that is the most reasonable thing to do, considering everything that the Lord had done for them. Despite all the evidence, they did not believe. Unbelief is rooted in in bad vision. They didn't see with eyes of faith. Seeing is a repeated word in this passage. They're blind to God's grace and God's power on their behalf again and again. They were blind to it. How does that happen? They failed to remember God's faithfulness from one experience to the next. They have an experience of God's faithfulness, and then when the next experience comes around, they forget about that one. See, faith is rooted in remembering who God is and what he has done. We're, we do the same thing. We're prone to forget and to focus on our circumstances. What this means is that experiencing God in your history is not enough. It's not enough. You need to continually remember God's faithfulness to you. Titus, come up here for a minute. Uh, son, I want to try to illustrate what, what this faith looks like a bit. I think we can do this right here. Um, I'm going to try to illustrate this with doing a, a trust fall. You know what a trust fall is, right? Okay, so um, Titus is going to do a trust fall with his dad. Uh, Titus, do, do you, I want to ask you a question first before we do this. Here, turn and look at me. Do you, do you, do you trust your dad? Yes, I'm not sure if those in the back saw that, but he did nod his head. So yes, he... <laughs> He does, in fact, trust me. Um, do you trust that I'm going to catch you and not let you hit the floor? Yes. Okay, good. Let's, let's do this. Turn around. Put your, put your arms out, buddy. Okay. Go ahead. Good job. Way to go, buddy. Way to go. You want to do it one more time? One more time? Arms out. Arms out. Okay, fall. Yeah, good job. Good job, buddy. Okay, you can go sit down. We practiced this last night as a family, and uh, Sarah saw all the kids uh, taking their turn, and she said, I want to try. So I said, okay. Um, so Sarah did a trust fall, and, and uh, no, it went well. It was fine. I caught her. Um, <laughs> but afterwards, she was like, oh, that was a little scary. There was a moment there where I thought, oh, I'm going down. I'm going down. So we had a good, 
laugh about that. But it is scary. It is a little bit scary, right? And that is precisely why it is in the act of, of, of Titus's actions, it's in Titus's actions that we see his faith demonstrating. That's how we know he trusts his dad. And it's the same with us in the Lord. Our faith is demonstrated by our actions. Even when, though, when, when, when what we need to do is a little scary, it involves risk, it demands courage, that's right where we see faith. We do the same exact thing when we, when we trust God. Now, what, what do you think would happen uh, to Titus's uh, trust if he didn't think I was strong enough to catch him? Would totally ruin it, Right? But Titus has already calculated in his mind, my dad is strong enough, and he is both willing and able to do this. How does he know that I am both uh, willing and able? It's because of all the ways, all the various ways that he has seen me demonstrate strength, all the ways that he has seen me care for him. He's already made that calculation in his mind. It's the same thing when God calls us to trust him. How do we do that? We do it because we look back at all the ways he has demonstrated his strength, all the ways that he has shown his care for us. Uh, what, if, what if I got distracted? <laughs> what would happen to Titus? He would just fall on the floor, right? Does God ever get distracted? No. Never takes his eye off you. He never slumbers or sleeps. He's never caught off guard. He is always there, and he, you can count on him. But is, does that mean that, that, that as God's people, we're never going to go through hard things or face hardship and suffering in this life? No, not at all. This life is the wilderness. And God promises to carry you as a father all the way through all the dangers until you reach the promised rest. He will be there giving strength and guidance and everything you need by his grace to see you all the way home. So we don't just look at our history, we look at the history of God's faithfulness to all God's people and it strengthens our faith. The point is, is that they had every reason to trust and believe his word. The same God who commanded them to go up was the one who brought them out of of Egypt and who had carried them through the wilderness, demonstrating not just his power, but also his love and his faithfulness. So they were without excuse. All of this, all of this is designed to remind this present generation that their security and their success does not depend on human strength and wisdom. It depends on God. It's designed to encourage their faith so that they trust the Lord and walk by faith, not by sight. They trust and obey him wholeheartedly. But when people assess their circumstances and their situation from a human perspective, it leads to fear. That fear leads to unbelief, disobedience, which leads to di- or disbelief, which leads to disobedience and disaster. And that leads us to point three, Trust the Lord because disbelief and disobedience bring disaster. We see this in verses 34 to 46. Disaster was the predictable result of their failure to trust and obey God. 
The first and greatest disaster was that God swore that not one of that evil generation would enter the promised land, verses 34 and 35, except for Caleb and Joshua because they acted with faith. When the people started to freak out, Numbers 13.30 tells us, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Let's go up at once, for we are well able to occupy it. How could he say that? By faith. God holds Caleb up as an example of the kind of faith and devotion that he requires of his people. That's why God says, my servant Caleb has a different spirit and has followed me fully. Numbers 14, 24. It's faith that leads him to say, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against the Lord and don't fear the people of the land for their bread for us. We're gonna eat them like bread. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Numbers 14, eight and nine. See, the other 10 spies and the people looked only at what they could do in their own strength. But Caleb and Joshua looked at the situation rightly. They trusted that with the Lord, they would be victorious. The point for the people that Moses is speaking to seems pretty plain. If you want to enter the promised land, you must have this kind of faith. Faith like Caleb that wholly follows the Lord. I confess to you that I am more like Igal than Caleb. I more often assess my situation based on my own strength and wisdom. I don't trust and depend on the Lord as I should. And it made me think this week of that that man who met Jesus, and he said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Give me, give me faith, Lord. Give me the kind of faith that follows you courageously, the kind of faith that is required to enter your rest. Moses says, even with me, the Lord was angry on your account and said, you shall not go in there. Verse 37, students of the Bible will know that Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land because he did not believe and uphold God as holy in the sight of the people when he struck the rock at Meribah. So what, what's, what is this? It seems like Mo, Moses is thinking this way. He figures, hey, if y'all had obeyed in the first place, then that whole incident at Meribah wouldn't have happened. It is your fault. And there's some truth there, but ultimately, responsibility is his, and God does not listen to this kind of argument, as we'll see in chapter 3 next week. The children would go into the land and inherit it because they were guiltless with respect to the unbelief and rebellion, verse 39. See, the people were afraid that their little ones were going to get killed, they use as an, as part of their excuse, we learn, thought that they would die. And, and God says, no, the ones that you were afraid, those are the ones actually who are going to inherit the land. Moms and dads, this is a great reminder to trust the Lord with your kids. Especially those who are launching graduates. Trust the Lord with your kids. The second disaster immediately follows the first 
The people presumptuously go up to fight without the Lord, and they're soundly defeated. They make a shallow confession, and they said, we ourselves will go up and fight just as the Lord our God commanded us. They strapped on their weapons and thought it would be easy, it says, verse 41. This was not repentance. This was presumption. They thought they could fix things. They decided to attack the people that 10 seconds ago they were afraid of. Trusting themselves now for success. And the Lord warned them not to attack because he was not with them, which is, which is precisely what makes all the difference. Verse 42. All of our actions are fruitless without God's presence and power. Amen? But they wouldn't listen. Again, verse 43. They shifted from the disobedience of inaction to the disobedience of self-determined action. The Amorites beat them down and chased them like bees, verse 44. They came back and wept, but God did not listen, verse 45. If we will not hear God's word, he will not hear our words. Moses is teaching the next generation that the only criteria for success is the presence of the Lord. And as Woods says, they learn that it's not always possible to recover an opportunity missed through unbelief. This presses home the need to act with faith and obedience to God's will. It presses home the need to trust in the Lord and do not lean on your own understanding. To abide in the Lord in whom we find strength and bear fruit. Trust the Lord because disbelief and disobedience bring disaster. I want to conclude with one last reason to trust the Lord that is implied through this whole passage. Trust the Lord because we only enter God's rest by persevering in faith. This is how the author of Hebrews applies this event to the lives of Christians. He says, So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. We enter God's ultimate rest, his heavenly rest in the kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. See, the Israelites failed to enter God's earthly rest. How much worse is it for us to fail to enter God's heavenly rest? Our sinful rebellion, just like their sinful rebellion, is what keeps us from entering God's rest. What's the good news? The good news is that God sent Jesus Christ, who suffered and died in your place and mine for your sin. He rose again from the dead, conquering sin and death so that anyone who turns from their sin and puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will be forgiven of those sins. They'll have eternal life. It's through faith in Jesus Christ that we enter God's rest. Jesus, Jesus invites us to come to him and find rest for our souls. And that rest is both present and future. We have rest for our souls now in Jesus Christ, amen? But we look forward with longing when Jesus returns and we enter his rest fully. 
But hearing that good news is not enough. You have to believe. Good news came to them just like it has to us, but they were not united by faith with those who listened. The only way to enter God's rest is through faith in Jesus Christ. Like Moses, the author of Hebrews, he uses, he uses Israel's failure to warn and encourage Christians to persevere in the faith because that is the only way that they will enter into God's rest. For we share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Hebrews thirteen fourteen. So wherever you are or whatever is next, in every part of the journey, trust the Lord and walk by faith and not by sight. Let's pray. God, we thank you and we praise you for the work that you have done in Jesus Christ. God, we thank you and we praise you for proving yourself faithful again and again and again through history and the lives of your people, but also in our own personal history. And God, I just pray for each one of us, you'd call to mind the ways that you have gone before us, the ways that you've been a father to us, the ways that you have provided for us and proven faithful to us, that it might strengthen our faith in you today, that you would give us this kind of faith that perseveres and enters your rest. God, would you do that in our hearts, in our minds today? We ask it in your name, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.